Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of No Holds Bod. Today I'm talking to Anthony. How you doing, mate? Yeah, right, mate. How you doing? Good. You might recognise Anthony's voice from a podcast we did about a month ago, where I talked to him amongst some other people about the coronavirus. And you, at that stage, was transitioning from your role as a pain management nurse. Is that right? Yeah. To yeah. working on a COVID ward. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. Well. Now it's more intensive care. Yeah. Intensive care. Right. Yeah. Um, so. How uh, we, we were just having a conversation about the curve, and yeah. uh, you know, obviously everybody's you know eagerly looking at, at the the rate of infections, how many infections are being found each day, and how many deaths. More importantly, um, to uh, to see if that, that that this curve is on the downwards, and we've gone over the peak. But yeah. you, you you mentioned something about intensive care, and yeah, patients. It's, it, it, the issue is, it's the fact that, yeah, yeah, I think less people are sort of catching it. But the problem is, is that when patients end up in intensive care, they are sick for a long time. And, and, it, and, it, and they require a lot, a lot of um, help and a lot of sort of therapy, basically. So our, our hospital usually has 34 beds for ITU at an absolute maximum. And like to, to staff um, 34 ITU beds you need in the circle in the region of 200 ITU trained staff like nurses and yeah. uh, also probably another 50 doctors. So you had a lot of staff to do 34 beds. And in our peak, we had s- about 70 patients in intensive care that was not really intensive care. So it split up over two or three levels. So we had usually have three IT units, east, south, north, uh, east, south and west. But we had um, in uh, whole theatres and recovery and HDU was turned to an uh, intensive care, as was an outpatient sort of setting. Um, one of the renal wards was closed to turn into intensive care for patients that may need sort of um, dialysis. So their kidneys basically aren't working. So they need help with that. And because these patients require therapy for such a long period of time. So um, if they end up on a ventilator, which is not a good thing, it turns out, they have to require this for maybe a month to sort of um, a, a month plus. I've been seeing patients that have been in ITU for um, sort of 35 days and they're not really improving. That's the, that's the issue. Um, when when you say intensive care, ITU means intensive care, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, do, do, what, what is, 
how like what 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 constitutes that? I mean, does it mean the risk of of death is high or what? What what does that mean? How, what, when when does the doctor decide yes that, that this person needs to go into intensive care? Basically, it generally means if um, without. Uh, they, they basically, there's something called a new scoring, which is um, it's a, a national early warning system scoring. There's basically a patient on a ward, you do their observations, and then you score, and then if they get into a certain, if their blood pressure's a certain level, or if their respiratory, like their breathing rate's a certain level, or their pulse rate's a certain level, or their temperature's a certain level, you put uh, like a score. So the higher up the score is, the more sick the patient is. Mm. So a patient will get to a certain level where they will require um, breathing support, so like a ventilator or CPAP, which is like a mask over your face that basically pushes air into your lungs, walks it into your lungs to keep your lungs inflated. And they may need special drugs called inotropes, which basically make your blood pressure go up and your heart keep your heart rate up. So to stop you basically dying. Um, so you need you need help to live, basically. So mm. by like support with your, um, your breathing, support with your heart, support with your blood pressure. Because if you're, if you're what we call septic, which basically means your body's fighting this infection, your your what happens? Your body basically needs the, all the oxygen in the middle, and to keep your organs alive. And it's difficult to have that, so you need to keep your organs perfused, blood going to your organs. So that's why you need these specialist drugs that need to be really closely monitored. So generally, if you're in intensive care, you will need you'll have one nurse for one patient, and um, you'll have a, um, they'll have dedicated doctors per unit. So on a unit of maybe ten patients, you'll have maybe fifteen nurses. And you'll have uh, maybe five doctors. So you need so patients, basically what they call it intensive care. You, you're intensely looked after. Mm. So um, and, and, yeah. So okay. So yeah, and so basically, what happened was because we had such a massive influx of patients because of um, these are these are young people. You know, these are patients in their forties, fifties, maybe early sixties, and um, that are coming in. That you know, when they have a, when they talk about. Uh, patients that have had um, uh, pre-existing problems, these are things like diabetes or hypertension. So things that you can live with because you're on medicines for it. You live absolutely normal. My wife's on hypertensive, anti-hypertensives. She's absolutely fine. But she, if she ever got it in intensive care and died, I hope she won't, um, she, she would be classed as having a, um, having a pre-existing condition. So these people are reasonably okay, but have you know um, for whatever reason because of age everybody has to have these problems so what happens is you end up with a massive influx of these patients on the ward the hospital made as many ITU beds as they possibly could but what happened was that you'd end up with one nurse one intensive care nurse looking after four patients um, with minimal help rather than the one patient they'd normally look after so they were getting really burnt out they were becoming sick and then patients um then, then other nurses had to step in. So this is what happened probably about um, three to four weeks ago. They had a, they trained up a lot of nurses on the wards that were doing special nurses role to come and help out. Uh, that's what happened to you. So so basically, I was asked to come and help work in ITU with nurses. Yeah, with with the help out the nurses in ITU. How have you, how have you found the transition? Um, well, to be honest, it's uh, it, when I first started doing it, it was a real big sort of uh it was i wouldn't wouldn't say i was scared but i would say it was it was a it was a big learning curve they had lots of very sick patients lots of patients that were very unstable but you would end up you know i i pick things up quite quickly and i've been nursing 20 years like i always like to say people like riding a bike you know 
you know, you once you get back on it, you wobble a bit, but then as soon as you start pedaling, you sort of going to a bit more of a straight line. Mm. So you, you, the general general nursing skills hasn't really changed. Giving medicines, doing observations, sort of those sort of general things is okay. You know, I picked up quite quickly. Things that take a little bit longer are, you know, ventilator settings and uh, the the machines to help people breathe and all. You know, looking after patients' uh, tubes and all this business. So is it, it, but. I picked that up quite quickly. I've been I've been in about three weeks now, and I'm more comfortable. Yeah. So now I'm sort of trusted to sort of look after patients on ventilators, you know, to cover breaks and things like that. Because they know, you know, if something goes wrong, I'm going to ask a question. There are support, so it's you know, it's a lot more, it's a lot better now. So at the moment, because because we've trained up lots of nurses and um, to help alongside the ITU nurses, instead of one ITU nurse looking after four patients on their own with a minimal input, it's now you kind of have one to two nurses, you have a nurse, like an A nurse, which is, they call, they got like A, B and C nurses. So you'll have an A nurse, which is an ITU trained nurse, knows what they're doing, can look after IT patients, absolutely fine. And then there's B nurses, which is like me, which are nurses that are reasonably senior, they know what they're doing, and they're able to look after and help look after a nurse um, with the patient um, in, in, in intensive care. And there's a C nurse, which is somebody who can help do running, help Help, um, help the donning and the doffing, so putting on the, the PPE, um, and help just basically do bloods and things like that. So it's really, you know, there's so there's a lot more staff now. So, sorry, yeah, no. so it's a happy year. Okay, good. Um, in terms of the stresses, though, of other, you said you 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 know you cope cope with it pretty well, but have you seen yeah. other nurses struggle or other other people that are working in the hospital struggle with the situation? And I think. Initially, I think there was a lot of burnout. A lot of nurses were quite worried, and they had a big. Uh, they were un, it was like an, an unknown of how to look after these patients. So they were very, very much. I think everybody was, a, um, as I said, four, four, or five weeks ago. Everybody was like, "Oh my god, what is this? What's happening? How are we going to manage it?" Mm. But now everybody is a bit more. Okay, this is how we manage it. This is how we look after the patients, and this is how we work our shifts. So people were initially, I think, worried. I was worried. I was a bit, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, a, I'm, I'm quite a pragmatic person when it comes to work. Um, I was a bit worried about it, but I think, as you know, that actually we know what we're doing. We know how to look after these patients a bit better. We know the, the, how to allocate staff better. I think now it's a, we are more, we're looking after them a lot better. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's been a lot of talk about PPE uh, yeah. on the news almost every day. Um, yeah. What, what, what was the situation? In, in your well, hospital, is there enough to go around? Yeah, well, yeah, it, it, as I said, it's, it, 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 it protects us. You know, as I said, it's uh, PPE, it's a funny thing. You know, you, you, you have it before you go in. So you you go, um, you go, uh, what do I say? You go into what's called a donning room. So you don the PPE and you don it, doff it. So donning means put it on, doffing means take it off. So generally what PPE is, what I wear when I go in, you, you wear scrubs, like a scrub suit, so like, like big old green pyjamas, and then you put on special clogs. You have these like plastic washable clogs you put on. You don't wear your own shoes in the unit because they'll have to, because you want to be clean. They have to have them clean. Mm. And then you put a, you put a one pair of gloves on, and then you put a, like a surgical gown on, which is like a washable blue gown, uh, like a waterproof blue gown that gets recycled. You stick that on, have somebody help you put that on, tie that up. Then you put like a surgery, like a, a like a paper hat on that goes over your head. Then you put another pair of gloves on. You tape each pair of gloves down with four bits of tape, and then 
you put your mask on, so your FFP3 mask, which is your your, your plastic, that's where your, 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 sort of your, your 3M mask with a filter on. Mm. It's quite tight fitting, quite uncomfortable. And then you put a visor on, then you get you check yourself off, and then you go into the unit. That's about five minutes to do that. So generally, I think every time I go in there, there's usually <laughs> the PPE slightly changed. It, generally, it's either on a, good, on a good day, you get your... You've got your nice blue paper um, washable gown. Other times, <laughs> you look like you're an alternate. You've got your white boiler suit on, your mask and your little hood on, which is not not the most comfortable thing because it's it's quite it's quite plasticky, and it keeps you it keeps you protected, but it you sweat buckets. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's also like a there's almost there's almost like a then then there's another one that's like a two piece type thing. But generally, I've never turned up to work and there's never not been a PPE. I think there's been a few occasions where they're running a little bit low. Yeah. The word about next day or two. But I think you know we have had enough PPE now because um, in, in ICU that's absolutely you know that's great. But on the wards it's a little bit less um, because they don't use what we call aerosol generating procedures, which is basically anything that makes the patient cough. So putting tubes in their mouth doing a lot of suctioning, doing a lot of high flow and things like that. Mm. They're the ones that are more, because it's, um, you get these what called viral loads. So the more of these aerosol generated procedures you do, which you do in IT, like a suction and things like that, the more of these viral loads you have. So the more you need of this, the PPE. Have you seen any of your colleagues um, contract it? Um, <laughs> to be honest, there are some of, uh, some of my colleagues have, you know, have had, had the, um, have had symptoms. And they have had uh, they had the test and they've come back positive. But generally, um, they've uh, they've been okay because they're usually young, quite fit, healthy people. So it's you know it, it's a lot of people that actually it, it, it affects our sort of the el- more elderly people. You know, I found out the other day that my great uncle died from it sort of yesterday, and he's like ninety two, and you know it's it's, it's difficult, you know, because the more the more elderly elderly you get it, the more susceptible you are to the the actual lung infection that causes you to to kill you, basically. How uh, this might be a stupid question, right? But but you you you, Lee, you you I'm not quite sure how to frame it either, so it doesn't sound stupid. But I feel like I have to ask it. Like on the news, it's 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 built and the way it's been talked about as if it is, um, you know, it's, it's a it's a horrendous horrendous virus to get. Um, what? It, how how bad is it to look at to treat treat these people? How much pain are they in, and discomfort are they in? How, is there how can you, well, is there a way you can describe that? Well, to be honest, when they when they're in intensive care, a lot of the time they are uh, you, you give them a lot of sedation, you get a lot of analgesia. You know, you get they got they got they've got uh, you give them anaesthetics to keep them asleep, you give them lots of painkillers to keep them nice and settled. And but I think a lot of the time, you know, I think. From what my from what my wife said, it's because when you have you know it's because it's a lack of oxygen, and a lot of the time when you have a lack of oxygen, you you do sleep a lot. You're very sleepy, you're very drowsy, mm. um, and I think a lot of the time when people when patients unfortunately do succumb to this illness, I don't think it's I don't think it's painful per se because they are very um, they're, they're they're very much very drowsy. They don't really know what's going on. So I think in a way, it's not like they are they're struggling to breathe and sort of grasping at their throat type thing mm. it's almost like go to sleep and don't wake up so it's it in so it's, that's kind of what, what what um that's kind of what my experience and my wife's experience would be you know i've seen patients die from it and that's kind of what you see they just it just they just sort of drift away so it's not like you'd see like that dramatic oh like just holding your throat yeah. and going, oh. 
type of thing. So it's it, in a way, it's it's almost like it's it's it, that's a good thing. But I think what the bad thing is is um is that people die on their own, which is nasty. It's not very nice. <laughs> No, because of a lack of visiting. That's the, I think that's the worst thing. Yeah. So what? So so you've seen that it's because their pet, their family's not allowed to come and see them, or that they just yeah. don't have anybody. What? It's well, because families are banned from the hospital because of the because of the um, cross infection. Oh, so man. the only the only the only people allowed in the hospital are, are staff and patients. So you know, it, and, you know, we have like they have developed. They do visit video conferencing now. So when a patient is awake and can talk. They have their. They put them on a video conference so they can talk to their loved one, which is good. So that means you're improving. So that's a, that's a good thing. But you know, there's unfortunately there are patients that you know, as I said, they, they if they are going to die, they they die on their own almost. It's not very nice. Yeah, and and and, and, and is that something that just happens and you check on them and they've gone, or is it the the, the machines tell you that there's an, an issue and then well, they go? Or... I think what happens is I think a lot of the patients are um, because they are so sick for so long. What happens is is that we you throw all the antibiotics, um, you throw the medicines that keep their blood pressure up and as much as you can. But nothing if they get so sick, what happens is they it's almost like nothing will help them. Mm. So you, when you get to the end of your treatment, you what happens is if the patient you feel like they won't they won't get over a uh, resuscitation attempt so you know to restart their heart using compressions or a, uh, like a defibrillator mm-hmm. you made them you make them not for resus so you know you so what means when someone's not made resus you think resuscitation will be futile so you feel it's not going to work so rather than put the patient through that indignity of a resuscitation which is not a very nice thing to go through mm. um they don't. They, they they say look. Let's let's just say if their heart stops, um, we will not attempt to restart it. And then you what what's called ceilings of care. So you've got the level of care that goes up to a certain level. So you say we will make their machine the, the the drugs that make their blood pressure go up. The inotropes will only run it at a certain level. If we need to put it up at a certain level, that we are not allowed to do that. We are, we will not we will not re-establish ventilation again. So invite the the put in the ventilator and make the patients breathe for them because different types of ventilation. There's ones that help you breathe completely there's ones that help you um assist you to breathe so you start to breathe and it pushes the, the, the air in your lungs things like that so this is what you know they're different levels of care so rather than the patients if a patient is going to sort of pass away and that you've got to their season of care you just monitor them you make sure they're comfortable you make sure that they're they you know that you know their needs are met they're they're in a dignified um condition things like that so it's that's what you do and then if they they do pass away they pass away you know and then this is this is the, it's, it's quite a you know you do as much as you can as a nurse to help that patient have a dignified death so to speak. Yeah. Um, the, if you know that you've done everything and the, and the and the patient isn't responding and they never really you know had a chance, does that make it easier, or or to to, to cope with the fact that you're losing more patients than normal or. Have you kind of got to a stage because you've been a nurse for such a long time that it's just a part of the job and and you can kind of turn that emotional connection off? Well, you can do it to a certain extent, um, you know. But like with anything, yeah, there are some people you like more than others. You know, some patients you sort of the longer you look after them, the more you go attached to them because you are you are sort of with them all the time. Mm. Yeah, and you're quite you know being a, a nurse to somebody in that in special intensive care is quite you know it's a quite a sort of close experience yeah, and it's intimate yeah yeah and if patients are 
sort of do, you know, aren't going to make it or aren't going to get any better. And, you know, you know I, I, I've been sort of, there's a patient I've seen and been looking after for the last couple of weeks. And every time I pop up to a different unit, she's there and she doesn't seem to be getting any better. But, you know, you think, oh, you know, and she's, I said she's probably in her sort of mid-40s and it's not a very nice thing seeing someone around the same age as you deteriorating. And you think, is she going to make it, isn't she? And it's, you know, it, it's like, at the end of the day, yes, it's my job, but, you know, I wouldn't be human if I didn't feel some kind of emotional connection to the patients I look after. Mm. What well, on that, mate, what, what, so it's not just old, overweight people you're, you're seeing? No, no. And there's patients that are in their sort of, as I said, it's, it's probably patients in their 40s, 50s, uh, uh, sort of their 60s, you know. Yeah, there's quite a lot of, uh, you know, BAME type patients that are, you know, sort of black and minor ethnic, I think that's what the acronym stands for. That's right. Um, and, and patients have sort of round tummies, sort of apple shaped. So, and so they're, they're going to be like, you always see a patient with an apple shape, like, like tummy. Patients that may have diabetes, patients that have hypertension, so high blood pressure. They're those type of patients that generally tend to get it. Patients with poor kidney function. A lot of um, Afro Caribbean patients haven't got the best kidney function. I think it's a genetic thing. Um, and if you've got poor kidney function and you've got, you're probably going to have high blood pressure and you're probably going to have diabetes as well. And there's the kind of, there's the sort of three things that go together mm. that, tell, that tell your patients going to probably need intensive care. What happens is a lot of patients don't get to intensive care, so your elderly patients. So patients that are sort of in your 70s and 80s will not even be considered for ITU because if they went on a ventilator or needed the, the support of the drugs, they would never get off it. They would not improve. Mm. You know, and, it's, and, and it's not just the patients that are in, uh, uh, say, in, uh, that they're in intensive care. They, if they're going to be in intensive care for a month, they may be in hospital for three months, six months, longer time than that and that puts a massive strain on the rest of the hospital but are there if there conversations with the family then is this something that a doctor has to make or consultant the decision that yeah. they have to make and they say look it's not it's not we, we can't yeah. put her into yeah. intensive care because she will she'll yeah. never get off or never get out of there yeah they'll have that they'll have a decision with the family and say look this is what this is where we're going to do this is what this is what our decision this is the decision we're going to make is that this is the condition they've got if they went to intensive care, they wouldn't come out. And um, we can make them as comfortable as possible and go for it. And like I said, lots of patients' families are very much are very much uh, accepting of that mm. because I think the situation that we're in, and I think it, it, from sort of, from, as I said, from my point of view, it's, it's, you know, if I was really sick and I wouldn't want to be stuck in a ventilator, not went out at talk and being very poorly and having a very small chance of getting better, mm. Especially yeah. because you know there's also a social responsibility, isn't there, to to give, and it's cruel to, to say it and kind of cynical, but the, the give the people the best chance of survival. Yeah, and, and I said, you know, they, the doctors do everything possible not to get a patient with a ventilator because if someone goes on it, they stay on it a long, long time. And they, it's, it's, you, you, if your body's not moving and your body's being kept asleep, your muscles aren't working, you know, so you're going to, you're going to get weak. You're going to get, you know, your muscles aren't going to be as strong as they were. It's going to take a lot of rehab. So a lot of getting up and getting up and get re- re- rehabilitate your muscles. So you are close to getting out of hospital. There's a big psychological element. A lot of patients have post-traumatic stress disorder for being in intensive care. Imagine being, imagine being asleep for three weeks and, you know, open up your eyes every now and then and just not being able to move or speak or talk and sort of having people standing over you, sort of wearing masks. 
you know it's it, that's an it's an, it, that's what it's like mm-hmm. and uh, i don't know if you've ever li- lied in a bed and have five people stand around you it's quite a <laughs> it's quite an uh, it, it's quite a sort of intimidating experience yeah. Having that every day yeah no i mean so, i yeah. can't say there's been five <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe a couple but the yeah. uh, <laughs> the um uh yeah I, I i didn't even think about that really I, do mm. you know i didn't I, I couldn't picture. I, I haven't. I, I, I have a picture in my head about what the ward might look like, mm. but I didn't know the details of that. Like if they're hooked up and they're sedated mm-hmm. so that they're not in pain and all that kind of stuff. That mm. what that that might be like. And and mm. is is when when they're sedated, are they? Mm. Is this is it an anaesthetic that they use to sedate them, or is it a painkiller? Or, or? It's, it's a painkiller. It's an anaesthetic, and it's a drug that paralyzes you. So it basically completely paralyzes your body so you can't breathe on your own. So you, you have to, if you, if you got to the stage where you need to have that, you know, they give you drugs, um, like these drugs are called Propovol or Midazolam, which are, you know, anesthetic, like make you sleep. Mm. They give you like fentanyl, which is a painkiller, makes you, and then they give you um, things like, I think it's called chromium and utter chromium, which are basically paralysis agents. It's basically paralyze your body, stop you moving so you can be ventilated properly. Um, what do you think of the clapping for NHS on Thursday at 8 p.m.? <laughs> well, um, I think to be honest, I, I think it's a it's a nice sentiment, but um, I, I'd rather people stayed in the house and <laughs> yeah. and and uh, you know it's amazing how le- how few joggers there were on the road yesterday when it was raining. Um, Mm. You know, I mean, got to put some commitment in it. To be honest, lads, come on. <laughs> I, 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 I see Bardi out on his runs every every, every couple of days, and yeah. I always say, you know, I give him away. But it's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, as I said, don't, you know, I would I would prefer if people put more money into the into the health service and the you know and did their social distancing a bit better because mm. that's probably a better sentiment than having a little clap and a woo to make yourself feel better <laughs> it does yeah that there is a part of me i do do it every day because i feel like uh, sorry every thursday because yeah. um i don't know i just do it because everyone else is doing it but <laughs> I, it does it makes yourself feel good yeah, it does. It does. It, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's just, it's funny, yeah. but yeah, yeah. it's not helping much. Um, but the, but yeah. I, I feel like it may, it may that that kind of that kind of mass sentiment could feed into a, a, a situation in the future where the NHS is treated better than it has been previously. Well, um, yeah. and and hopefully, you know that you know the Tories. I know that they they're very much to blame for the the how, how the NHS is funded. Um, yeah, yeah. But politically, I can't see any other way other than them piling money into it after all this is done. And, right. and no, if, nothing, yeah. if that is a take home then, and, and, you know, the, the general will for that to happen is strong enough, then mm. um, I think that that's at least one positive we can take from this mm. situation. No, yeah. I think I think what I think of what the issue is, is, you know, you can't run the NHS like a business. It's a big black hole of money. And um the problem is, I think a lot of successive governments, including New Labour and Tories, have tried to treat it as um, tried to treat it as a business. Sometimes, with, um, you know, with the Tories with their austerity, with the New Labour and their PFIs, which is basically private um, uh, financial initiatives, so some hospitals built with public and private funding, mm. um, which is difficult. And uh, you know, and this, these are the sort of this is, you know, it's um, you know, I'm, I just think that. 
over the last 10 years, I, I think me and my colleagues have always said to each other, I think, you know, it's just about managing. You know, as I said, that, that, that you know, that jam, as they call it, sort of people living at home, just about managing with their finances, etc. So the, the NHS has been doing that for about five years because of the, the, the austerity. And it didn't take, it, it's taken a massive event and it's taken a massive stretch and a huge amount of goodwill from the staff. I mean, a huge amount of goodwill mm. from all staff in the hospital, the way it's changed. You know, everybody has, and, but it, as I said, it's unsustainable. You know, I, I, I've been, I, I'm not used to working nights, I'm used to working weekends, but I'm doing it because I have to do it and it's fine. Well, I couldn't do this for six months. Mm. It would, you know, it, A, I wouldn't see my wife, B, it burn me out. I'm 40 years old, man. I've got, back, I've got a man's back. You know, I've been nurses back for ages and it's hurting it. Mm. But, you know, you, you push through it. You know, the, the hospital is great because they, they put on free meals, which is full staff, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, lots of local companies have given them, like, lots of gifts and food and bought things in, which this is great. Mm. Um, but as I said, you know, it, it's, it's, it, this is going to be, this, this, the way it is at the moment, it's, this is the first wave. And what's going to happen is, um, you know, it will be relaxed and people will go back to work and there will be another surge again. But, you know, I think, but the issue is with the second surge is we'll be a lot better prepared for it mm. in regards to knowing how to deal with these patients. And then they'll be able to test more people. You know, these, these testing is ramping up business. This should have been happening a month ago. None of this, we you know, get into this arbitrary um, deadline of a, 100,000 capacity for tests a day by the end of April. They should have actually tried to do that a lot quicker. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so you mentioned this last question, Anthony, by the way. Uh, yeah. and thank you for um, spending your time chatting That's to fine. me because I think a lot of people are getting get a lot from these, these sort of podcasts. It's good to have yeah. the information. Um, but... You, you you mentioned the the length that people have to stay in, in intensive care, but in hospital being cared for yeah. when they have the COVID nineteen. Yeah. So while we're seeing the first, like we talked about the first wave, while we're seeing it start to degre- decrease now, it seems to yeah. have gone past the peak. That doesn't mean that the NHS isn't going to be under strain for for a long time, isn't it? It's going to no, no. be months it, for you rather than yeah. And you know, you know, hospitals were capacity for everything else before this COVID nineteen came along. And the issue is as well, um, what has happened is that you know the amount of elective surgery that's been cancelled. You know, the only surgery that's going on in hospitals, and this is being done in actual, um, it's been done in um, uh, the, the private sent the private sector is uh, they are is, is is cancer surgery, and it's not even being done in the hospital. So all hips, knees, bowel surgery that isn't to do with um, cancer, um, patients who are, um, uh, have been cancelled, patients who are sort of at, at the end of life and doing things like cancer, you used to be able to give them what we call palliative chemotherapy or palliative radiotherapy. So you'd give them treatment to give them another three or six months. It's all been cancelled. So patients are losing out on their, you know, quality time or love time with loved ones. So it's not just patients dying of COVID-19. It's the quality of life of you know, the NHS treats somewhat a million of patients a week or something. So there's all those other patients that, and that's going to be put backwards. All my all my outpatient clinics have been cancelled. So there's a real. It's not just the hospital's going to reopen, the country's going to reopen. It's going to be a massive. It's going to be great for people going back to work. When I go back to my normal job, it's going to be an absolute nightmare because there'll be so many patients that mm. uh, that haven't been seen, and I'm going to have to sort them out. So I've been working me bollocks off, so to speak, 
<laughs> be working somewhere where I'm, so, somewhere um, I'm not used to working. I'm going to go back to my normal job, and it's going to be an absolute nightmare because I have to sort out as well. Yeah, so it's going to be a big. You know, that, that's that big thing. It's not just the COVID nineteen. It's the whole of the NHS is going to be stretched. Yeah, for the my, foreseeable future. My dad, um, my dad, been needing the hip hop for about eight years, and it's finally yeah. got to a stage now where he can barely walk some days. But because yeah. he's yeah. Because he's an idiot and he waited so yeah. long to get it done. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it got it did get cancelled and, yeah. and they rung him up the other day and said like you know we're thinking about we're, we're trying to plan for the return of normal yeah. normal healthcare. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, just, he hasn't got a date yet, but it's it's yeah. going to be months. But that that what you just said there hit home about the palliative care for cancer sufferers. Mm-hmm. That time is crucial to them. That yeah. extra three months or six months it may be crucial. They can do yeah. the things they want to do, have the conversations yeah. that they want to have with people before they go and get yeah. things in place. And yeah. just to not have that, I didn't, yeah. it didn't even occur to me really. No, really. no. You know, I was, I was speaking to, as I said, I was, yeah, I was speaking to one of the nurses when I did my training. She was a, uh, a nurse specialist in... Um, she was a nurse specialist in, uh, in in oncology, and she, that's what she said to me. She said it's, but it's the fact that they have to. There is no, they haven't got the capacity to do it, and because of the the COVID issues, because you know. But you know, this, I think that's that, that's the thing that people don't realise about. Yeah. People don't don't think about that, and you know, it's just that you know, it's when can we get back to work? When would a lockdown end? It's well, that's that that's the, they're very much obsessed about this lockdown. I know, but everybody has to go back to work. But it makes make it safer, make you know, make it in a way that, you know, it's it's possible to do that. You know, the Germany's lockdown was, you know, they they relaxed it, but their their numbers went up. Their their the number that the person that has to infect went from zero point seven to one. Mm. So you know, you want it below one, so one person only infects one person. Mm. Anything above that, and you get you know the exponential growth, so to speak. So you we want to do it properly and safely, and we know what the British public are like. <laughs> <laughs> yes we do you know yeah you know you know if you, if you get the public as as a whole you know they, i know they, they are you know they are they can't be trusted are you missing tottenham anthony <laughs> um sometimes well, uh, well, i guess what i'm asking is like that's a massive yeah. part of your social life yeah you know going yeah. seeing the boys having a beer and that yeah it, it, yeah it, so i'm missing i'm missing the boys you know i, I think you know spurs I think I love watching them, you know. But it's the it's the old it's going out with the boys and stuff, you know. We got we we try to have a Friday night sort of a, a catch up over sort of Google Hangouts and have a couple of bees there, and I have to get smashed and talk about how crap my week's been. And they're like, "Oh, Tony, you'll be right." It's good to have that sort of it's like a therapeutic um, beer up on a Friday. Yeah. So that's nice to have, but it ain't the same, you know what I mean? It's shooting the shit in the pub, is it? No. I do. I mean, I, I know it's trivial, but just sitting in a beer garden with a pint is an absolute heaven to me now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I know, you know, you know. So, you know, I've, 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 you know, I'm allowed out. I've got my freedom, so to speak, to go to bloody work. But you know, I'd love to, you know, just to to have a to have a sort of nice cold pint out of the glass. Oh. Get thirsty. Think well, about that, it. That will be uh, that will be all of our reward one day. Well, certainly your reward. Anyway, you know, I, I know I'm sure you hear this a lot and, and that, but you know, thank you for all the stuff you're doing and, and the work Ooh. you're doing and the care that you're giving people. It's really, it's um, it's humbling. Well, you know, it's, uh, as I said, you know, it's it, it, you know, I'm not one of these guys that's going to say, oh yeah, thank you. Know, thanks for the sentiments. It, but as I say, it, it's it, as I say, it's my job, and I've got to crack on with it. So that's kind of that's how it goes, isn't it?
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 